If you brought your Bibles, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where I want to go to this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to begin this morning in the 8th verse, and in, I don't know, read here about 10 verses, okay? So Ephesians chapter 5, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever uh, doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just humbly come before you here this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings that you've poured out on us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given us to gather here this morning to worship you, Lord God. Thank you for each one you've sent our way. Thank you for the roof you put over our head, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have. We thank you for these things, but we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly we don't deserve it we're not worthy of it we can't do enough to repay you but god let us always give you praise and glory because you alone are worthy of it and lord my prayer this morning is is that you move in a mighty way in this service here god that you would just um lord that you would just lord you know what all you know what's we're going through you know what we're facing. You know what's still ahead of us. You know what we don't know. There's nothing that is hidden from you. You know what is in the deepest recesses of our heart, Lord God. Uh, you know the, the thoughts that we've dwelt on in our minds, Lord. And so, Lord, my prayer this morning is, is that you just move in a mighty way. And, God, that you, we wouldn't do anything to hinder you from doing your will here this morning. And, Lord, if there's any among us that is maybe backslidden, any that's lost and undone, any that's even just maybe let some things creep into their heart and their mind and into their life and into their living rooms and into their bedrooms, Lord, that doesn't belong there. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, Lord, that you would just convict them, Lord God. Lord, that you wouldn't give them any peace, Lord, until they would repent and turn to you before it's everlasting too late. Because that is the only hope that we have. That is the only hope of mankind. Lord, there is no other way to you but through Jesus. There is no other gospel, Lord. And so, Lord, we just pray right now, Lord, that you would have your way and your will here in our service, in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, God. I pray that we wouldn't do anything to hinder that, but, God, that we'd get out of the way and let you be God of this service here this morning. Lord, do what only you can do. Lord, let your presence be felt and known here in a mighty way. Lord, I'm asking for my own self. I can't preach without you, and I know that. So, Lord, I'm asking that you'd help me here this morning. Lord, that you'd uh, fill me full of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that your anointing would be upon me here this morning. 
I pray, Lord, that you'd clear my mind of everything, but your message, your words, your thoughts, help me just to focus solely on those things. And place on my tongue the very words that you'd have me to speak here this morning. And I'll be your obedient vessel. Lord, have your way, have your will. Lord, let this be the day that we wake up. Let this be the day that souls are added to your kingdom. And we'll shout, we'll give you glory. We'll ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I am... Um, I stopped at verse 17 because that is really the end of where I'm preaching about this morning. But it does say in verse 17, Therefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. And then verse 18 tells us what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that we be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but we be filled with the Spirit. Now, I'm not preaching on uh, being filled with the Spirit this morning uh, any more than just, I guess, this, but I feel compelled with the Holy Spirit to, to go on far enough to mention this to you. Just as the example used here is wine, but it would apply to more than just wine. It would apply to anything uh, that would have such an influence on you that it changed the way that you think, Right? So that could be wine, beer, you know, any kind of alcohol, drugs. I mean, we could go on down the list when we start thinking about things, external things that could come into our body or that could have an effect on us that affect the way that we think and the way that we see things. And he uses that comparison. He says, here's what the will of God is. That you not be, that, that these outside forces, that you do not let them into you to the point that they have, uh, that they change or affect the way that you think or feel or see things. He's telling us to stay away from those things. But instead, we need to have so much of the Holy Spirit, right? We need to be so uh, saturated with the Spirit of God that it has that kind of effect on us, that it has such, a, such an effect on us that it changes the way that we think the way that we feel about things, the way that we react to things. That is what the will of God is. And so that's not got to do with my sermon, but I just could not, I couldn't just leave that hanging. During World War II, an aircraft carrier was out in the North Atlantic. Now, I don't know, when I think ocean, unless you say Arctic or something like that, I think warm, I think beaches, I think swimming, okay? That's just what comes to my mind. From experience, I can tell you that is not always true. I can tell you, first of all, the Pacific Ocean, the whole thing up and down our whole total west coast is a lot colder than what I thought it was. And I can also tell you that I guess it would be considered the North Atlantic. Yeah, it would be considered the North Atlantic. That we went to Maine one time in June, and the water is just feels like ice water up there still yet, okay? As a matter of fact, I had to bribe. The kids were younger then. I don't remember exactly how old they were. I'm going to guess Jake was maybe 10 years old, something like that. I had to bribe him 
to get him to stick his head all the way under the water. Him and Abby would get out there just, I mean, not even ankle or knee deep and play around in the ocean, but that was as far as they would go because it was so cold. And anyways, I mean, they'd had big ideas, big dreams about how they were going to swim in the ocean and stuff when we got out there until they stepped their first toe into it and felt how cold it was. And so I ended up having to, I, I ended up having to bra- bribe Jake just to get him to put his head under the water for just a minute. But anyways, the North Atlantic is cold. And I think it doesn't really matter what time of year it is. It's cold. So anyways, the, the story goes that during World War II, there was an aircraft, American aircraft carrier out in the North Atlantic. It was, of course, engaged in war maneuvers. I mean, that's what was going on. The, the Atlantic, especially the North Atlantic, was riddled with uh, German U-boats. And, of course, there's always danger of, of, of bombers coming over. And as a matter of fact, that is how most aircraft carriers were destroyed during World War II, was bombs dropped from airplanes. So as this aircraft carrier is in the North Atlantic engaged in its normal war maneuvers and things that they do, six pilots took off in their airplanes from this aircraft carrier, given the mission to go out and to scout out what would have been some enemy submarines, some German U-2 boats uh, that had been reported back or spotted or whatever. And so they were to go out and do some reconnaissance, right? Some you know, observe and, and, and I don't know. I don't know if they were supposed to sink them if they had the chance or what. I don't know how all that works. But here's what I do know is while they were gone, the ship, and this part of the story is not 100% clear to me, somehow they come under danger. I don't know if there was enemy bombers spotted, reported, or the submarines that maybe the planes were supposed to go out and scout for had, you know, been spotted in the area. Whatever it was, something happened that triggered uh, the, the commander, the, whatever the proper name is for the commander of an aircraft carrier, it caused him, the captain of the ship, to issue the alarm that they give and things like that. And part of that alarm, and when everybody does all the things to prepare for this to avoid being, you know, sunk from enemy bombs or whatever, part of that is total blackout. Every single light on the ship is off. That is the procedure. Sailors are not even to light a cigarette. And my understanding is, is they're very, was very serious about that. So the captain issues the order. The alarm goes. The switch is flipped. Every light on the ship is turned off. After a little bit of time, eventually the pilots who had been sent out previous to this, they turned around and started to come back toward the aircraft carrier. They realized that it was down there somewhere, but they could not see it. They radioed the ship. First pilot radioed the ship and said, Give us light. We're coming home. The radio operator on the ship radioed back, ordered blackout. I can't give you light. Another pilot picked up his radio and said, just give us some light and we'll make it. We'll, we'll land this thing. 
the radio operator radioed back and said, no light, blackout. The third pilot picked up his radio and desperately said, give us just one light, just one light, and we'll land. But the radio operator, he couldn't do, he could do no more. He reached over, flipped the switch on his radio, and broke radio contact. Six U.S. pilots, young men in the prime of their life, went down in that cold North Atlantic Ocean and went out into eternity because they had no light. Because they had no light. Did you know that the first 13 verses of the Bible, there is light, but there's no sun? See, when we think of light, we think of the sun, S-U-N, sun, as the source of all light. Did you also realize, now I said the first 13 verses of the Bible, go back to Genesis chapter 1, first 13 verses, it tells us there's light, but there's no sun, so the sun has not been created yet. And then, when you go to the last 26 verses of the Bible, right, way back there starting Revelation 21, right, count out the last 26 verses of the Bible, you have the exact same situation. There is light, right? We talked about that New Jerusalem a lot in uh, Wednesday night in our Bible study, right? There's, it, 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 as a matter of fact, it's day all the time there, right? It, it's never nighttime there. It's never dark, right? So there is light. But once again, we find ourselves in the scenario where there's light, but there is no sun. Big fireball in the sky, sun, S-U-N. Do you know why? Well, the Bible tells us why. First of all, John, in, in the Gospel according to John, chapter 8 and verse 12, it tells us that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You see, right there is the answer. There was light, but no sun, S-U-N, because the Son of God, S-O-N, right? The Son of God is the light. Jesus is the light of the world, period. Even when that big fireball in the sky, before it existed and after it goes out, there was still light because Jesus is the light of, uh, is the, light of the world. I know that goes against everything our sophisticated and educated mind can think of or grasp today. That there, We think that all life revolves around the sun. Well, it does, but it revolves around the Son of God. Not that star that's eventually going to burn out in our solar system. John chapter 3, starting at verse 19, tells us this is the uh, condemnation that light is come into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds was evil. Right? It's telling us that's why they loved darkness more than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil 
hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds uh, should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Do you understand, the Bible uses this light and darkness thing, and, and good and evil, all the way through. Do, do you, have you ever caught on to that before? Have I ever explained that to you before? Do you realize what that principle is and how that works? You see, uh, throughout the Bible, um, let's start this away. Light and darkness. Light is a created substance. It's a thing. Okay, I don't know how else to say that. Darkness is not. Darkness is simply the absence of light. You remove, how do you make things dark, right? You, you flip the switch back there to make it dark in here, but there's not all of a sudden some sort of electrical thing that comes on that creates darkness and blocks out the light or, or you know, that, that is switched. These light bulbs aren't switched. They're, that's how to say it. These light bulbs are not switched from light mode to dark mode. All that happens to make it dark is the light is removed. That's it. The light is removed. It's the exact same thing of how uh, cold and heat work. Cold is just the absence of heat. That's how refrigeration works and all that is. They remove the heat, suck the heat out of there, right? That, that's, how, that's how that thing works, right? It is a deficiency. It's an absence, right? Cold is an absence of heat. Darkness is the absence of light. Light is used all through the Bible to represent goodness, righteousness, and truth. And, of course, we know that God is all good. He is total goodness, total uh, righteousness and truth, right? God is all good. He is the total sum of all those things. So, therefore, Jesus is the light. And darkness is used all through the Bible to represent evil, which, of course, is... Um, how do I want to say this, is manifest most completely, embodied in Satan, right? He, he is the embodiment of evil, right? It's represented probably most completely in him. This right here, now if you think about this for a minute, this is also why hell is described as being outer darkness. Twice described as there being absolutely no light there. The analogy that the scripture uses comparing light and darkness to good and evil, God and Satan, the analogy is perfect. That's why God used it. But what I think people miss in this analogy is that darkness, as I tried to explain a minute ago, darkness is not a force that comes and overtakes and overpowers the light making everything dark darkness is actually just the absence of light it's dark because there is no light in just the same way evil is the result of the absence of God just like darkness is the result 
of the absence of light. The question that so many people, right, so many atheists, so many people who are upset with God, so many people who think that, you know, that, that God is not fair or good or just or doesn't exist and is made up and stuff, one of the number one questions that's used, I'll guarantee, and I'm not encouraging you to do this because all it's going to do is just rot your brain a little bit more, but if you go and, and, you look, and you go to YouTube, for instance, that's probably the most easy thing. Everybody, probably every single person in here has got access to it right in your pocket right now. But if you just go there and you look at some atheist's argument about why God is, doesn't exist and is not real and made up, so on and so forth, one of the arguments they'll use is that if an all-good, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving God allows awful things to happen to people that don't deserve it, right? I mean, they'll, they'll probably have a more specific example than that, right? They'll probably talk about some small child that's been killed or raped or something like that. They'll probably, you know, use the example that maybe, uh, you know, I don't know, of genocide. And, you know, it's one of the horrible things that's happened, right? And they'll say if God is all-powerful and all-knowing, right, they'll ask the question, you know, it's one of two questions or both. Then, you know, if, if everything's created by God, why did he create evil? And the other thing is, is why did he let it happen? Well, let me explain to you. It's all summed up right here in this principle in the Scripture. First of all, evil is not a created thing. It's just like darkness. Darkness is not a created thing. Darkness is a deficiency. It's a lack of light. That's a deficiency. That's a, that is the dictionary definition of deficiency. It's a lack of. Evil is a deficiency. It's a lack of goodness. What's the source of all goodness? God. It's a lack of God. It's an absence, total absence of God. I said that's why, to me, in my mind, when I think about things, that's what really makes hell hell is the total absence of God. That's why it's described as outer darkness. That's why it's evil and, 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 and destruction and torment beyond what the mind can even comprehend or understand. Why? <laughs> Why does some of the things happen happen? Right? Going back to the bad things and things like that. Because God's given every one of us the choice to choose. He's given every one of us a free will. We have the choice to choose Him or reject Him. Period. Never talk to anybody that honestly didn't believe that they made the choice of whether they were going to choose God or reject Him. What happens with the absence of God? Right? There's a deficiency there. Darkness. Evil. You go down that rabbit hole far enough, you would be surprised. No, you wouldn't be surprised what a person is capable of doing. That's why some of the things happen. And don't think for seconds that there's not a day of reckoning coming, because there absolutely is. So understand, first of all, before we go any farther about darkness and light, the Bible is trying to tell us that evil is not a created thing, that it is a, des a deficiency, a lack of God. Right? A lack of good. Right? Which God is the source of all good. So with that in mind, there is two principles that you need to understand. 
First of all, the closer to God that you get, the brighter God's light shines. The more it reveals. The more you can see, right? Now, understand what I'm talking about here, right? I'm not talking about an imperfection on the outside of your face, right? I'm not talking about when you get in the bathroom mirror, you got a good enough light and you get close enough and you can see the pores in your face, right? I'm not talking about that kind of light. We're talking about spiritual things here, right? We're talking about the inner man, right? We're talking about getting close to the presence of God. The closer you get to Him, the brighter that light shines and the more it exposes the things that is in man, the more it reveals the more you can see, right? So consequently, every flaw. I mean, have you ever noticed that? If I go in the bathroom, look in the mirror and turn the light off, I look pretty good. You turn the light on, and especially, we got a lot of light in our bathroom, I don't like, I don't look quite so good. <laughs> there's imperfections, there's flaws, all of a sudden I see now that I couldn't see without that light. It's now easily observable. Spiritually, it's the same thing. The closer you get to God, the more light that is being shined, right? So every flaw, no matter how small it may be, it's now so much more easily observable, so much easier to see. More light, the more you see. So that's principle one. The other one is just the opposite of that. The farther you get away from God, the dimmer God's light shines, the less it reveals, the less you can see. More flaws, right? So, so the point is, is, is the farther you get away, the less light there is, uh, more flaws and wrongs and sins, those things, are, they're, they're not so easily seen. They don't look quite so bad. The darkness just kind of makes it blend in, right? And it's not quite so, it doesn't seem quite so bad. That's why, uh, that's why you watch and, and the stuff you watch and listen to and, and that, you know, you're, the things that you can be around certain things and it doesn't really seem that bad. You ever notice that? Somebody that, you know, they got, there, there's a little bit of God, of influence of God in their life, but they've held back from the light quite a bit, right? They've made sure they didn't get too close to it. They're okay with letting a lot of things into their life, right? And, and partaking in a lot of things. And you just think, what in the world? How in the world can they be okay with that? Because the darkness covers it up to the point that it doesn't look quite so bad. Maybe that's why some people don't want to be close to God. Or even around God's people. They don't like what the light shows them. They don't like what it uncovers. Right? That's like I was saying. I go, I go into my bathroom. There's other light, so it's, there's light in there. But I don't turn on the, that, uh, those lights there over the mirror and stuff. I don't look too bad. I turn on them lights and I think, man, I need a lot of work. <laughs> I don't look quite so good. Maybe. 
Maybe that's why people don't want to get close anywhere where God's light shines on them too much. Because they don't like what it shows. They don't like what it uncovers. And do you realize that as a Christian, your very presence brings light into their darkness? Do you realize that? Now, I want you to keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the channel, the conduit that God uses when he's working on us and with us and through us, right? It, it's the Holy Spirit that is doing all of this, right? We're just a channel. We're just a conduit that he does it through. Look back for a minute here at our scriptures in Ephesians chapter 5. Look at verse 8 again. It says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Our lives should display the light of Christ. We should be characterized by light. Keep in mind that the only light there is, is Jesus. There is no other light, and we reflect his light. That's why you probably heard the term before, we're light bearers. We don't produce our own light. We're not light producers. But we reflect the light of Christ, right? We, therefore, we are light bearers. If you go down to verse 11, it says, And I have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Verse 12 with it says, It is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. See, it's saying even that those things are done in darkness, it's a shame to even talk about them, to even speak of them. Light by nature exposes what is in darkness. And the, and the contrast, right? The contrast shows sin for what it really is. It shows just how ugly it actually is. If you look at verse 13, it says, But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. It is light that makes everything visible. Everything is illuminated by the light, right? Everything is made where you can see it by the light. Well, the first thing that you notice is you get older and your eyesight starts to go. That you can see that you can you can see if you get enough light on it, right? That was the first thing I figured out is I shine enough light on it, I can eventually see it. So light in the spiritual sense here, light exposes sin. More light, more exposure. Less light, less exposure. When God, and it's through the Holy Spirit, so when God, through the Holy Spirit, is continually dealing with you and bringing even your slightest infractions to your attention, take comfort in that. Know that you are drawing closer to God and that He is purifying you. Right? That's why these things keep coming to your attention. That's why he keeps convicting you of these things. That's why he keeps dealing with you about this stuff. And you've got to do something about it. Because it's the light of God that is exposing it. And he's using the Holy Spirit to bring that to your attention so that you can deal with it. But when God starts dealing with you less and less, that's when you need to watch out. I can't believe how many people that... I've come in contact with who I think that they think that means that they're reaching perfection. 
I got news for you. You're not going to reap perfection this side of eternity. And when you get to the spot, the, the place in life where God's not really dealing with you about things, that's a bad sign. That means that you're drifting further away. And it means that you're in serious trouble. Verse 14. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. The function of the light, it's twofold. It makes visible, and it transforms. And in other words, it exposes um, the imperfections. It, expose, it exposes the sin. And, as the Bible teaches us, God uses it to purify. But that's only if we're willing to remain in the light. So often, so many people, they'll get up there and get in the light a little bit, and not like what it, they see, and they pull back. We must be willing to remain in the light. And, and thereby becoming light ourselves, right? Not that we produce light, but by reflection. We're reflectors of light. You must be, listen to me. If you're going to reflect any of God's light anywhere into a darkness, into a lost and dying world, you must be in the light yourselves in order to reflect the light. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then, every man, and then shall every man have praise of God. The light, listen to me, the light will expose every hidden thing. It will, and listen to me, don't think that you're going to escape it. Don't think you'll be able to just hide in the darkness forever and, and, and get away with it because that's not the case at all. It's the light. You will be eventually be forced into the light. It will expose everything. And that can either happen now, voluntarily, or later, forcefully, at the judgment. The choice is yours. I'm begging you this morning. I am telling you as your pastor... I'm telling you with all the love and compassion that I have, you must live your lives in the light. You must live in the light in order to live spiritually. If you do not live in the light, you have no spiritual life. And listen to me. Without light, without the light of God, we are all lost. We are all hopelessly wandering around in the dark. Without the light, we're just like those six pilots that I told you about at the beginning of our service. And unless we get some light, just like them six pilots, right? The last one said, just give us some light. Unless we get some light, we will all plummet into the utter darkness and destruction, right? The utter destruction of that outer darkness the Bible refers to hell as. Without the light, that's where, that's where we're all plunged into it. We're all wandering lost. None of us 
we'll be able to find our way home to heaven. None of us. So I don't know where you stand this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life, in your heart. I don't know what you've been dealing with. I don't know what God has been uh, speaking to your heart this morning and the things that he's been dealing with you about. But I'm begging you this morning. If the Spirit of God is drawing you, if you've got a need, if you've got a burden, if you're sitting there realizing, you know what? I'm lost in that darkness. I'm out there hopelessly running out, just waiting, just waiting for my fuel to run out and for me to plunge into that abyss, into that outer darkness, out into eternity. I'm begging you, it doesn't have to be that way. Will you stand to your feet? I can point you to the light. I sure can. If you've got a need, if you've got a burden, would you come this morning? Spirit of God dealing with you, would you come this morning? Whatever it might be. Maybe there's somebody on your heart you need to be praying for. Would you come? Whatever it is, just come this morning. Just come.